Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spark Connections. I'm your host, Stefan. We'll be here today unpacking, looking at, exploring journeys through the tech industry. Today, I have my buddy Todd here. We connected on Twitter. You guys have probably been hearing me say that a lot lately. All my friends exist on Twitter now, and the two real friends I've actually met. So yeah, Todd and I met up on Twitter through some mutual followers, mutual friends, uh, interacted a couple of times. And when I extended the invite, he was gracious enough to come on here and talk a little bit about his journey, his background. So we're going to dig into that and whatever else Todd wants to talk about today. So Todd, thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Stefan. I uh, am glad to be here. It's, uh, you know, good to, good to hear that, you know, I got another podcast I can subscribe and listen to. So thanks. Yeah, absolutely. I have been talking about starting a podcast forever. Um, and I just never, you know, I made excuse after excuse of why I didn't do it, why I couldn't do it. And finally, I just got a little bit of a push from my wife, which is, you know, just an amazing human being. And here we are. So I started one, finally made the big jump. And I've been excited. I've been a little overwhelmed with the response. I didn't think that many people will be interested in talking to me. I really did not. Um, so yeah, I'm still a little bit in shock of like, you want to talk to me about stuff? I'm not that important. You know that, right? Now, that's what I thought too, but I've had a very overwhelming uh, and positive um, response to mine as well. So yeah, we're we're both in the same boat as far as that goes. Yeah, man, I'm 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 really glad to hear it. Do me a favor, can you talk about your podcast a little bit? I've seen you post about it. I haven't dug into it yet. I'm so behind on all of my podcasts. But would you mind talking about yours just a tiny bit? No, uh, thanks. I started. Uh, what was it? Well, I recorded the first episode, which ended up being two parts with Jeffrey Zeldman. Uh, and that was in December. So the podcast officially came out the first of this year. And I've got three episodes under my belt. I'm currently working on the captioning because I have the video version on YouTube. So I'm working on the video captioning for that on YouTube. But I have the third uh, audio version episode out. And uh, it's just, you know, a, a dive into what people do and you know their you know their user journey and uh you know the things they're doing and and you know the kind it's 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 a dive into front-end development design and you know on occasion i'll go into the you know the, the nitty-gritty the, the dirty back-end stuff as well <laughs> uh <laughs> <clears throat> because you know i i've done that most of my career and as, as well as front end i you know freelanced most of my career but the podcast is just you know it's it's me having fun with the with with other people you know inviting them on and just talking shop and just uh, having fun doing it. that's awesome i you know it's funny that how, how you describe back end i feel like as a as a developer so most of my uh, although i'm i'm I haven't been in development for too long. Um, the majority of my development career has been in um, has been in back end, and it's really funny when I talk. Like when I hear people talk about back end versus front end, like I see all this like back end is great. It's or excuse me, front end is great. It's super amazing. JavaScript, all these great things. And, and like the moment I mention back end, they're like, "Ooh, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you hang out over there. You're one of those." I, <laughs> I um. 
spent a lot of my time, my first real, you know, programming language backend was C sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause why not? Why not use every Microsoft product that are known to man? If I, yeah. if I <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I really, I totally resonate with you when you talk about like the feelings around backend. I know that they're not always, it's not always the easiest thing to get into. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, when I first got into it, uh, I was doing, you know, I learned C, C sharp, C plus, uh, yeah, C plus plus, uh, Java. Those were the early ones. So, so I guess apparently I did it backwards when I was talking to one of my friends. I learned C Sharp first and then I learned Java. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, no, you have to go through the pain and the suffering of Java <laughs> first. And then you can learn C Sharp so you can appreciate how much better it is. And I was like, really? And, you know, it, it's something we laugh about all the time. But mm-hmm. I, I do. I will say learning learning Java definitely made me appreciate I would jump into like my, you know, Microsoft Visual Studio IDE and I'd be like, oh, yes, yes. just mm-hmm. IntelliSense all over the place. Yes. <laughs> Using yeah. this. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my I can't. And this has always been the way it's been. So I'll go back to I started uh, programming. Uh, in Commodore Basic. So if anybody ever had a Commodore 64, oh that's how old I am. So, so Todd, I just want to point out just very quickly, you you use something that is older than I am. You started programming <laughs> something that I older in my existence. A lot of people say that, but, you know, I, I, I wear it as a badge of honor. Um, oh, it is. And it was fun back then. It was absolute, it was an absolute blast to do back then so what i did is i i programmed in commodore basic and i took the uh because i also was an avid reader as a kid i took the uh the user manual went through the user manual back when there were and i think there still are but not as many magazines with code in it that you could uh you know write write programs follow a tutorial in the magazines uh, I would do that as well. Um, and that's how I learned basic and that's how I learned programming. Uh, so I started taking, uh, you know, I took, cause I was an avid reader. They had choose your own adventure books and I took those programmed them in basic, put them on five and a quarter inch floppies and I would sell them to my friends like 20 bucks a whack so i was kind of a entrepreneur i guess you could say back then and uh it just took off from there my love affair started when i when i got when i first put my hands on a um commodore pet and i believe it was the 2001 series that's it. that's when i just fell in love with that i said i just have to know you know what this thing is what it does and how to make it work yeah i think um so growing up i i had a an affinity for just taking things apart and my parents would always get super angry at me um it was funny because they would get more angry because i could put it back <laughs> together because i think for them they were like oh if you can't put it back together we're gonna bust them but then i could and and it, it started kind of like that so mm-hmm. it, it sounds to me just just like tech's always been a part of your life and I uh, I remember learning about 
um, and, and seeing some of the some of the systems that you're talking about and and how awesome it is of where we've evolved to since then. I was just um I was just you know kind of going back and forth with a friend. Um, you know, he's looking, he's like, listen, I, I need to get out of the house. I need to program somewhere else besides staring at these four walls that I've been in for like the last year or I'm going to go nuts. And, you know, about two hours later, he called me. He's like, do you know you can code on an iPad Pro? And I was like, what? <laughs> um, so I think about like these big industrial yep. machines and, and you know, or even these like larger computers that, you know, and, and the limitations they had. And then now I know that there is more technology, more sophisticated technology in my hand every day than there was with the, you know, Apollo that landed us on the moon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, 8-bit graphics were great, you know. Uh, I had, what, an Atari 2600. I had an uh, Atari 5200. I had an Intellivision uh, video game console. Uh, yeah, I was just interested in all of that stuff. Gaming, but more programming. So when I started programming games back then, it was even more fun. It was a, a dive into, although it didn't lead to anywhere, it just, you know, I did in the comfort of my own home, you know, because I... I Lived in a small town. I, I moved from Portland, Maine, to uh, a little town in New Hampshire, and there wasn't really anything to do. I mean, there were people I'd hang out with, friends I'd hang out with, but for the most part, you know, there wasn't anything to do because it was such a rural area. So programming filled that void, and uh, just sitting there for hours endlessly just programming and it just it, it got to the point where it was a love affair um and still is to this day uh especially when i'm doing front end or even you know now with uh and it, it's always been this way too with accessibility for me yeah, when I, you know, I, I love the passion that you have for accessibility, and it's made me be more conscious. Because um, I think, like, and not I think, just going through school and going through education surrounding, you know, software development—that's not something that's talked about often enough or at all. There, I don't, I don't remember a single class that I've gone through um, that said, "Hey, you know, make sure that your site is accessible for those who, you know, may have a vision impairment or a hearing impairment." And it's something that was, from my experience. Um, working at an Apple retail, it's something that we were always cognizant of, but it took a whole different life when building a website. And, and I think there was one interaction in particular, I saw that, you know, you kind of commented on someone's website, they asked for some feedback, you said, Hey, um, if I was hearing impaired, or if I was vision impaired, your website is not something that I can use. Um, and I remember immediately thinking, wow, don't look at any of my stuff. <laughs> Don't look at any of my websites. Um, and, and I started then researching um, from either from a, both a back end and a front end perspective. How do I make my websites interactive? How do I give the option so that if the if someone comes with some sort of impairment that my website is still something that's attractive yet is uh, is available for everyone, doesn't exclude someone because of something that they don't have control over? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of what we see now is for the most part, um, inaccessible. 
there there can be you know there are sites out there i'm not going to say the whole web is inaccessible but a large portion of it is and i've seen different figures on this but 20 to 25 percent of the world's population is or has a disability of some sort whether it's you know uh, cognitive whether it's motor skill whether it's visual whether it's hidden uh, and what I mean by hidden is ADHD or like me I suffer from migraine headaches so in with migraine headaches um, something like parallax scrolling can trigger those migraine headaches um, and seeing the faces of people you know family members friends friends you know uh, family members that when they when they reach something on the web that is inaccessible and the look of they want to give up and the look of frustration that really got me motivated um a few years back to uh jump on the wagon and just bang the drum of accessibility i so it, it's funny you mentioned that so i uh those who are familiar with, you know, Git and version control know that usually when you, you know, when you use some sort of version control, um, if you add, you know, if you add code, it, it comes in green. And if you remove code, it, it, it's red, um, highlighted in red. So um, on Microsoft's Azure DevOps platform, their green is so light. Um, I have a slight, I don't know if it's, I don't know the correct terminology, terminology if it's like colorblindness or segmentism. So in, I actually can't see it. Um, so I can't see their green. So I usually code when I did code reviews at my last job and we were using Azure DevOps, um, as our source control repository, I actually did them, um, right in terminal. I would just diff the branches right in terminal because it was a very clear green. I could see it. It's, you know, very distinctive and it's cast against a black background, but in Azure DevOps, it's this white background that I can't change to dark, which is why I usually use dark things. It's easier um, for me to see them, but yeah, for some reason that the green was so light, and I remember the first time I ever noticed it, I was um, I was talking to one of my devs, and I was like, "Hey, where are your changes?" And they kind of looked at me funny, and I was like, "I, why are you looking at me like that? I can't see your changes." And so we like stepped through them, and it took a minute for me to realize I can't see them; they can see them just fine. So yeah, it was it was interesting. So I I did like this little weird thing where I like I don't know. I think I like inverted the colors for um, Chrome or something like that. And then all of a sudden I could see it. And I was like, oh man, I think I have a slight color blindness to green. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, so you have what is called proto, a proto anomaly. So that is uh, where the color you perceive is, it makes red look more green and less bright. Um, or it could be actually now that I'm thinking about it, uh, because it's you, you have a when you hear the term color blindness, it's not color blindness, it's just you can't, you, no, you're not blind, you just can't see the color, so it's kind of a it's kind of misleading, but um. The, the you you probably fall under the and I'm no I shouldn't be you know dispensing 
wisdom like this, but you're 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 in the red green colorblind, sorry, I would say. I'm not going to play doctor, so <laughs> I just leave it at that. I hear you, man. I hear you. But yeah, so I mean, I think about things like that. I'm also a person who suffers from ADHD and migraines. I just, all kinds of things wrong with me. Um, but like websites that are too bright are websites that I can't, I mm-hmm. I have to turn my screen down. Mm-hmm. Um, usually my phone screen is also very dark because anything that's too bright could trigger a migraine. And mm-hmm. if you're familiar with them, you know how debilitating they can be. Um, yes. So yeah, I just try not to, I try not to put myself in that position. I did want to just take a step back and go back to, we were talking about some older video games and I, I just remembered. So um, growing up, I, I had this friend and we've, we've, you know, we interact here and there. Um, you know, we don't talk all the time, but when we do run into each other, we always catch up. And I remember um, we, you know, I stayed the night at his house one time and his dad's like, I want to show you guys some really cool. You're not even going to understand how amazing this is. And he had an original ColecoVision mm-hmm. and he whips out Donkey Kong. And um, there was this other game, Zaxxon. Yes. yes. Sega Zaxxon. Yep. And I remember we stayed up and played that all night long mm-hmm. and um i i think about like ColecoVision, and then i'm i'm the room that i'm in is not very far from what you know we call the entertainment room in my house and i'm staring at my ps4 and just how like monstrously like the gap between those two systems and how far we've come from i think ColecoVision was released in like the 1980s if i remember correctly i could be off um that sounds that sounds about right yeah yeah, I think it was like somewhere in the 1980s. And then I look at my PS4, which is like, and even that, like that's obsolete now. Like that that became obsolete last year. So I mm-hmm. think about things like that and how quickly our industry moves. And, um, you know, I, I just thought about this, you know, in your mind, especially in the accessibility space, I, you know, any thoughts about how we kept, because we're so far behind, we are very behind and any thoughts about how we how we catch up there? That's a good question because as far as accessibility in video games go, um, or even just, you know, games and gaming in particular, uh, well, number one, the platform should probably be accessible. That's the first thing, uh, you know, like Twitch or I don't know of any other uh, platforms that do gaming right off the top of my head but uh it's basically what it all boils down to for me is this and i'll give you the easy answer you know we all have to consider the person on the other side of the screen when we're doing what we're doing or what we're when we're creating what we create and that is an open and inclusive and accessible um, experience for everybody, not leaving anybody out. And and but I I just want to quickly clarify too that you know accessibility just doesn't cover you know blindness or a you know deafness or you know motor skill functions. Accessibility is you know somebody in that rural area way out in the middle of nowhere with a two G phone, you know getting access to the internet, you know, in a quick and, and timely manner. So it's it's not just a physical 
thing. It's also, you know, equipment wise as well. But um, to get back to your question, the platform should be fully accessible. And from there, it, you know, it just makes life easier for everybody. And after we get done here, I will find there's a man online who does a ton of accessibility in gaming. And I will get you his Twitter handle and his name. And I will forward that to you because he would be the one to talk about for, for that. He would be best suited to answer the question. So I would defer to him. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I think that's really important. And I'll make sure that we add that into um, some of the resources for this. I, I think it's just so important that we take the time to ensure that we, um, I think we talk a lot about equality and creating an equitable environment. And I think often we always, we talk about the physical characteristics a lot, or um, we limit it to a certain spectrum of mental or emotional characteristics. And I think that when we talk about accessibility as a whole, like that's something that's often forgot about, like understand that accessibility is a form of um, diversity and inclusion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the inability to perceive something or interact with the world in the way that um, is kind of the general consensus is, is something that we also don't consider. And I, I think it's just so important that we do so. So I, I, I applaud every effort, every attempt, every comment that I see you make to say, Hey, did you, you know, did you think about this while you were designing? Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's not the shame game either. It's just, you know, a friendly, Hey, you know, there's, you know, people that, you know, they can't see as well as, you know, some other people that have good vision, you know, nobody has, not everybody has, 2020 vision. So, yeah. When I worked at, um, when I worked at Apple retail, there was a couple who would come in and I, I, I won't share their name just for privacy reason, but they were amazing. And the gentleman, um, was vision impaired and his, uh, wife was, you know, she just very, very, she was very supportive and super helpful. And I remember, um, you know, whenever they would come in, I, I, I think I just started working with them on accident. Uh, one time and they I have I've, I've been using an iPhone since I don't know what the, the 3g I think yeah since the 3g I've been using an iPhone and I never thought about the accessibility features until um, this gentleman came in one day and said hey my um, my assistive touch isn't working and so my phone I basically can't use my phone and I'm like okay well let's you know let's look into it and what he had wasn't a feature, um, if, 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 you know, for those of you who aren't aware of it, um, when you click on something on the screen, the way that it works is Siri actually reads it out to you. And then you double click that spot to get into app settings, whatever you're, whatever you're on. Um, you know, Apple is so, has come so far in, in, in making the device more accessible. And I remember I'm, you know, this tech support person who's supposed to be fixing this guy's issue. And I don't even know how the device works. I don't even know how the feature works. So it was a good, it was an experience for me because I had to learn, like I had to learn about the feature to even begin to fix it. Fortunately, it was a quick fix. Um, but then after that, I put my phone in accessibility mode purposefully. And, and, and that was to learn, cause I knew that they would be back and they, you know, occasionally would come back for things. And, um, he had a service dog and I remember, um, maybe this is like their fifth or sixth time that I've worked with them. And, um, they said, hey, do you have a private space? 
And I said, sure. Like we, you know, we have a private kind of like room we can step into what's up. And they're like, well, we want to let you pet the dog, but he knows when his, um, when his harness is on that he is working. And so he'll like try and sneak pets, but like we want, you know, we don't let anyone pet him, but we really want to reward you because we, we know you don't take tips either for the awesome work that you've done because we've watched you grow. And I remember like in that moment, like, you know, trying to hold back tears, it was just so amazing. But I got to learn about a whole functionality of a device and how this uh, enabled this individual to be able to participate in an ecosystem that for years, essentially, he was kept out of because it wasn't a thought. On, it, on any platform, and that's not to, you know, say that Apple or Android is better, but it wasn't a thought for anyone's mind. And it just, it, it just moved me at how, um, how it allowed for him to be, to use an iPhone, right? How it changed his life because these features now existed. Tech is, tech is, uh, I guess you could say a fickle thing when it comes to accessibility. Apple has made great strides. Uh, I know that Android devices are making great strides as well. It's exciting for me to see these advancements. There is a lot more work to be done though. Um, but that to me is like with the Xbox, for instance, they have, they have a, uh, a, a thing and boy, I wish I could remember. I wish I could remember what it was, but it was it, it, it allows it, it it it's inclusive for people that don't have uh, motor skill functions or you know cognitive um, disabilities as well. So uh, that's that's also an area where I'm not well versed, but I do research every day and look and and read and try to learn as much as I can. Uh, through the day about um but it's 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 good to see the advancements that are made even though like i said there there's still a long way to go yeah i think it's so important that we it's incumbent upon all of us to take responsibility and 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 think about that as we you know design as we build as we you know continue these these advancements that we don't end up just leaving people behind and um I was kind of, I'll admit it, admittedly kind of going back with someone um, earlier today and they were talking about, we can't account for every variable. No, we can't, but we can account for a lot more than we do. And I think that's the, that's the thing we have to think about. We, we focus on a very small amount of the bigger picture. And I think there's so much more that we can account for and think about. Um, I, I think about, um, I, I'm not sure, um, how much you know listeners are attached to the gaming industry but uh the game cyberpunk when it came out and there was a scene which i actually you know i bought the game was really excited for it um and I, there was a there was a, a a scene essentially um early very early on in the game where a bunch of lights did like flashing and all this other stuff and come to find out it was the exact pattern that was used to uh, the exact or very similar pattern that was used to test for individuals who have epilepsy. So it is a very real possibility. You could watch that scene and have an epileptic seizure. Um, and I remember the first time I played the game, um, you know, I'm playing through and and I get to that scene and I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. And like 20 minutes after that, I could feel, uh, and I'm sure you, you being a, a my person who experiences migraines, you get that. I could feel the aura. Like I could start seeing the aura that was starting to set in. And I was like, Cool. I'm getting to have a migraine, and this triggered it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm glad they fixed it very quickly, but 
just like that thought I feel like should have occurred so much quicker and sooner um, mm-hmm. than, you know, someone having a seizure or a migraine. Right. Right. And, and that's the thing that uh, it's those variables that are often overlooked from my experiences. Anyways. So if you go on the, uh, the web, and you look up Val Head. She's awesome. She does uh, accessibility with animation. She has so many talks. I've seen her talks before. She's great. Uh, her, uh, you know, her articles are great, and they teach you all about, you know, the basics of animating, you know, on the web, uh, and making it accessible. That um, instance you talked about, I do remember hearing about. I didn't buy the game. Um, I do have games that that has happened to me before where there's been flashing lights and that's triggered migraine headaches before. Uh, but the, the, the thing is with, you know, game gaming or... Uh, even, you know, especially web and applications on the web. Accessibility is an an evolutionary uh, process. So from handoff to kick, you know, from kickoff to handoff, you know, you have all that time where you can fit in accessibility. You know, HTML, for instance, is accessible. Not fully, there are issues. But um, after, you know, you hand off the project or after you finish the project, steps can be made after that to keep going and keep furthering accessibility. So with games, for instance, that was something they corrected. That was something in the game in the overall scope of the game, that was evolutionary. They, they saw that problem, and they fixed that problem. They addressed it. They fixed it. Hopefully there's no, you know, hopefully nobody got hurt. Um, that's how accessibility is. It's evolutionary well after the fact when you're done. It's always a process. It's hard work. Uh, it's not easy. It's not a checklist of items. It's not an overlay on a website, you know, it's not, it, 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 there is work behind it, but when you do that work, you know, and if, so I, I was telling somebody the other day, if you're learning HTML, this is an example, if you're learning HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and you're learning the fundamentals, you're already practicing accessibility right out of the gate. So why not further that by you know looking into like the WCAG uh, the web content accessibility guidelines right now we're on 2.1 2.2 will be coming out I believe at the near the end of this year and then 3.0 is in the works for 2025 I want to say uh, look, look into that ask questions you know there is no quote, unquote, stupid questions. 
uh, I'm happy to take questions all over Twitter. And if I don't know a question, if I don't know the answer to a question, I will find somebody that knows the answer to, to that question. Um, you know, it, it, evolutionary. And that's another thing, too, about uh, a wonderful thing about accessibility is that we can make things like games better for people that, you know, that have a disability. Yeah, I, 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 you know, so wholeheartedly agree, um, Todd, that we don't, you know, it, it's not just about, you know, uh, again, like I said, like, or, or like you said, we can cover, um, we can cover so much, you know, think about it while you're doing it, but also the understanding that it's an iterative process, you know, all of technology is no one comes out with the best first version of a product ever, right? That the product grows and it transforms. And it's just something that I, I think the better and more cognizant we are of that, the better of a response and the more inclusive an environment that we have that allows for individuals who don't necessarily have the same ability to access um, as others do to still participate. So, you know, I, I think you summed that up very, very nicely. We are coming to the end of things. I did want to just kind of go back and give you an opportunity to tell everyone, um, you know, Todd, obviously you're super passionate about accessibility. We didn't get into lobster, but we're definitely going to do that sometime <laughs> soon. Um, why don't you do me a favor? Tell everyone where they can find you if, if people want to interact with you. Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Todd Libby, T-O-D-D-L-I-B-B-Y. Uh, you can find me there tweeting about accessibility and a lot of other stuff. So it's just not tech. Uh, I will occasionally throw in a good dad joke or a pun now and again. Uh, and yes, there are lobster roll tweets because I love lobster and I love lobster rolls even more. Um, I have a podcast, Front End Nerdery Podcast, and that's on your podcast device choice. And I also have a YouTube channel, which is a Front End Nerdery Podcast channel that's on YouTube. Uh, I'm on GitHub. I'm on what? Let's see, CodePen. Uh, if I'm not Todd Libby, I'm Cola Bottles, and that is because. Those little gummy cola bottles, I have a slight um, obsession over. So <laughs> that's where I got that nickname. Uh, but yeah, mainly you can find me on Twitter and, you know, just, you know, give me a shout out and say hi and, you know, I'll shout right back. Awesome, Todd. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for talking to the listeners. I really appreciate I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate the time we're able to take and I look forward to catching up with you soon and definitely keep those lobster tweets coming. I love <laughs> I love a good lobster roll too. Well, thank you, Stefan. I had a great time chatting with you. Absolutely. I'll catch you later, everybody. Peace.